Welcome back to System Trivia, the podcast where we sound like we have speech impediments because our dental work is driving us crazy. This is Brent. I'm the gatekeeper, bitch. And I'm the back and be right back. <laughs> that made me think of, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, more on that later. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually uh, relevant. Relevant to probably your segment and the main topic. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And then there's Peyton, not relevant to anything. <laughs> wow. Wow. At least Rude. that wasn't late. For like yeah. 20 minutes. At least Dude, was... we're still starting earlier than we normally start recording. Uh, yeah, but still. Yeah, but still. still but, yeah, but still. No, no, okay. yeah, but still. still. Yeah, but still. You were late, and that's all. Yeah, right. no, so but still. That's okay. five. All right, that's, but still. that's one demerit per minute you were late. Okay. How many okay, minutes okay, late? Okay, we'll okay, see. Okay. okay. 15. 15. I'm supposed to say 15. <laughs> It's not your I love how yet, he's, so. he's just going to say 15 every time that he, he's expected a number. It's like, uh, how old are you? 15. 90 plus My 60, little nephew. What, is that? what? 90 plus 60, what is that? 150. No, it's 15. Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. My little nephew, he, he's only like five. Oh, is he, is but he 15? He can't tell time yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you ask him what time it is, regardless of what time it actually is, he just responds and he says 6.05 every time. Hmm. I, mean, I don't know why. He's. I think he's because one time he right twice a day, every day. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, assuming he's asked once a minute. Right. Exactly. Yes. yes. Or, or multiple less. times within that yes. minute. Yes. Right. Yes. Or you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. A lot of options here. A lot of options. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A lot, a of, lot of ways we could foresee him many, actually being right. Many. Let's right. just leave him go now. Okay. <laughs> leave him go now. Let's just leave Poor him kid. go now. I thought you said something about go dads at first. I was like, this is the wrong podcast for that. Go daddy. And what, then I was what? like, oh, well, actually, it's kind of the right podcast for that. We we get rough and, and rowdy sometimes. Okay. Okay. So today, today or tonight, I guess we'll be talking about technical debt, technical which we we kind of debt. touched upon before. But, you know, we, we kind of wanted to delve more deeply into that tonight. Oh, we're yeah. going to well, It's crazy delve. to me because... We're going to go three fingers deep. Oh, gosh. We don't hear about this like we hear about student loan debt, you know? Well, they're... Okay. Well, well... But technical we'll, we'll debt talk, is a we'll, real problem. No, it, it is a real problem. But we'll, we'll talk more about that when, we, when yes. we get to it. Before we get anywhere else, we need to get in the car and we need to put on our seatbelts... And those seatbelts are alcohol. What is everyone drinking? <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> <Does> this... <laughs> yeah, there was not a lot of sense word? made. Yeah, no, it's alright. That just, was the worst segue I've just, ever heard in my entire just life. Just go with well, it. My seatbelt is worth it. We're drinking and driving. Diet, Wait, Dr. Nope. Pepper and water. Okay. I, honest to God, you guys know me. I would be drinking if PBR. at all possible right now. Mm-hmm. But due to health reasons, I am drinking tea is it from you're celestial seasonings penis? from celestial seasonings here in boulder called mm. tension tamer uh if you haven't been to celestial seasonings or you haven't had celestial seasonings How i highly recommend not, them as i well. feel like anyone who's had any yeah, like, tea before at or, least had sleepy me, time tea me, right herbal infusions before yeah has had celestial seasonings yeah I, I i'm with you it's like it's 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 omnipresent but did you know they were in boulder I did not. It did makes not. Sense. Well, it's pretty cool. Makes if sense. you ever come visit, I'll take you there because they have a mint room and you walk in and all your pores fucking open up and you start like <laughs> tingling. It's awesome. <laughs> I love when I tingle. Mm. Not to be confused with tinkling. Not as big you, a fan you of love tinkling. When everything tingles. Yeah. Maybe, Shaythan, if you could never ever talk about tingling again, I'd appreciate it. 
Yes. Tingling or tinkling? Both. 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 Absolutely both. I am just drinking both. water. Now, I'll I did on. get a present. I got a housewarming gift from Jathan. What? It was very kind of him. He sent me a bottle of Breckenridge bourbon. What? But I'm not drinking it nice because then I would have to take my tr- orthodontic tray things out. We should just and, take bets uh, now. How long will the bottle that I got Brent last him? At least six seasons of episodes. No, yeah, I'm willing to bet that ridiculous. he's probably going to die and still have it. Yeah, yes, no. yes, no. yes. Wait, I wait, agree. wait. Die and still have the bottle or die and still have the bottle filled with bourbon? They're two still different. have bourbon in it. Okay. Still have bourbon, yes. there's two different cases there. I agree. If I decide I like the bottle, I'm, I might keep the bottle. But I could have already had the bourbon. Okay, well, you should try it because it's my favorite bourbon. Okay. Is it, your, is it your favorite bourbon? Yes, it Yeah, is. I've had it on, on air before. Okay. Multiple, it is my favorite Colorado times. bourbon. You've had it multiple times on the air. Yeah, lots. I, I always at, have at some on hand. I feel like yeah. season three, you probably were drinking it half the season at least. I think season one was when I had the most of it. Mm. Well, I'll have to go back and check. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I am excited to try that. But, you know, with these things in my mouth, it, it's a pain in the butt. So none of us are drinking? What the fuck is the point of the show? None of us are drinking. We're, <laughs> well, I'm I mean, pretty sure we're not here know. just to drink. Jake. God, we're just fucking shitty people. You need, sir, you need to calm you the need to, fuck down. You need to simmer down. You need to simmer fucking simmer, Donna. You need to Donna Summer right Donna now. Donna Summers, that's fucking right. Okay, so that being said, Hayden. Yes. What tip do you have for us? I, You know, it's it's not a bad tip this time. It's not going to be a Linux command. It's actually going to be uh, a little bit of a of a, an organizational tip. So hmm. in my shop, we are issued a Windows laptop, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that we have to use. And it does come with the Office Suite. And one of those things in there is OneNote. And if you I actually, love OneNote. Yes, OneNote is amazing. So I'm going to suggest to the general crowd here that you give OneNote a shot. If you copy a link from somewhere and you paste it into your OneNote folder, it will actually retain a small form of the link and will show it whenever you hover over it or whatever. It's just always there. So like... you Oh, can, like a rendered screenshot kind of thing? Sort of. Like it will just have the, the link pasted beneath whatever you pasted. So you always have that link no matter what. So like if you're like, where the fuck did I find this? You can click on that. Even if it's internal, if it's a like an FQDN or whatever, it will go to it and, and it will show you where it is. So it's pretty nifty. I'm sorry. Run that by me again. I, I don't think I understand because I don't so I need it to will, use micro, it will, stuff. So like if you go somewhere to like a website like Stack Exchange okay. and you copy a bit of code and uh-huh. you paste it into OneNote, it will paste the code into OneNote and then beneath the paste, it will have a very small font style link to oh. where you found it. So it like automatically cites where Correct. you copied the thing. Okay. Correct. Oh, that's pretty cool. Correct. It's really nifty. I'm just I'm not a I'm not a Office guy. I'm not a mm-hmm. Microsoft shell. But if you're stuck using a Windows laptop and you have OneNote on there, it's definitely well, something worth. Using. Not even just that. You can get OneNote on Android now. You can. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And even if you just have like an iPad for note taking and shit, you can do OneNote on there. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's on pretty much every device. It's definitely mobile agnostic, so you can do iPhone, iPad, Android, well, etc. Not on Linux, it sounds like. So I'm still well, you can, well, with that. hold on. It gets better. Mm-hmm. You can go to mm-hmm. the website, the, the office.com site, and use OneNote there. Yeah. However, if you're not, if you don't want to do that, 
there are other mm-hmm. options. I think there's uh, something called Etherpad, which I don't know has that hyperlink function. It but didn't still. the last I've used it. Yeah, yeah, Etherpad, we looked into a long time ago for podcast. For yeah. yeah, And then there's Evernote or whatever that's called. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've used that in the past as well. I kind of would like to have Etherpad somewhere, honestly. Talk why? To, you should talk to uh, John Simpson. He does that very well. Yeah. He, the reason why is because I work on a team of people where we frequently share documents and i have a billion google docs named random shit that we've just like <laughs> we had to edit a paragraph together one time and we have a google doc for it whereas if i just oh, said man. etherpad oh. i wouldn't have so much bullshit in my google drive mm-hmm. yeah also though i learned recently that i can use my android phone i have a note 10 now mm-hmm. as 10 a or 10 plus 10 plus yeah i can plug in a USB-C to hdmi adapter project and use the little pen with it as a fucking slideshow remote I can do that with Bluetooth and LibreOffice. Okay. Well, fuck you then. <laughs> but mostly, I, I can Actually, walk into a room and not have that. to take a whole fucking laptop even and just... You can see me You can see me using my cell phone as a, a slide remote. If you guys go to our website and you search for me talking about FOSCON and giving my presentation on podcasting, there's a link to a video and you can see me using my phone as a slide remote. It's pretty cool. Anyways, it's, anyways, it's not that cool. Nah, that's so cool, Jason. I, I just, uh, I What's just wanted to say, you? you know, What's the matter for if you, you need, yeah. if you need help, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> What's the matter for you? You know, yeah, okay, need, yep. Sorry, if you need help organizing your links and like you want a structure, like a notebook or whatever. It's definitely a nice option, and you can have multiple folders and, and books and whatnot. I think I'm, Evernote is is a very similar product as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Linux if win, you, though, unfortunately. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you have something you want to hear a tip about, please hit us up on the SysAdminist Trivia Twitter, and I will mm-hmm. uh, I'll work on it. Or email us, info at sysadministrivia.com. Or email Guys, us at jthon at sysadministrivia.com, too. Is dig still a thing? Dig? Yeah. Like dig.com? Dig? Yeah, like D-I-G-G. I don't think so. Nah, it pretty much died. Hold I on, think I'll it still is is like a site, but it's, it's dead to Reddit. Hmm. Okay. Oh, it's still up, hmm. but it's weird looking. <laughs> does it, it's does it look first... like it was designed in the 90s? No, no. it's oh. better, better, and I put it in quotes. It's Web 2.0, definitely. Oh. But it's, the first article is the mysterious company taking Jewel's place, and it's about Puff Bar. So whatever. Anyway. Huh. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Wow. So that was, uh, that was your tip. Do you have anything else to say about it? I have nothing else to say about it. Fantastic. So... I'm going to take a drink of water because it, it, I had this giant plastic thing in my mouth, but okay. So what was the, I have to ask you, what was the impetus behind getting the uh, Invisalign thing? Well, I had, I, I still kind of have really fucked up teeth. You do? Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. They're, right. they're terrible. I mean, they're, they're a lot better now than they were when I started. Are they but... British terrible or are they just like American? No, they're, hmm. I feel like British Terrible is more just unseemly. It's not to the point where like your teeth are scraping the inside of your gum. Whatever. This is this is getting gross. <laughs> we don't need to be. This is teeth administrivia. This is dentaministrivia. Dental administrivia. <laughs> Orthodontamistrivia. <laughs> Orthodontamistrivia. Yeah. So point being, it's terrible. Like these trays in particular, I'm having a really hard time talking correctly with them. Yeah. But. You know, every every trace is a little different. Hopefully, next episode I will not sound quite as weird. Okay. 
Yeah. Mm. So anyway, get used to it. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Technical debt. Technical debt. Yeah. Now this isn't this isn't the bill you owe to your server company. Right. You know, this is this is for, not a fiscal thing. This is way worse than that. I would say yeah. Yeah. You pay in time instead of money. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yep. So technical debt is the concept of your ecosystem, you know, your your servers, your client machines, all that software you use for whatever reason, and we'll talk about what possible causes could lead to this, but for whatever reason, it is now costing you more to maintain this system or this ecosystem rather than to have something more optimal, whether that be something more expensive in terms of money or whether that be something that required a little bit more effort up front, whatever. Now, I'd like to open us... I'd like to start. <laughs> yep, you open us right open up. Open us here, right bud. up, buddy. Absolutely. You guys are weird. I'd like to end. My body is this. ready. I would like to. <laughs> my body is ready. That's one of my favorite memes. So I'd like to 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 penetrate this topic. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! With with causes. Okay. I'd like us to to talk a bit about like how do we get like how do you well, get to the point. I, under staffing. Well, okay, hold on. I think mm. one of the big issues is that there's a mm-hmm. someone somewhere says we need all of our servers are going to need X processors, X X memory, and X hard drive space. Period. Mm. And so then they go and they build this system that's got maybe four cores and you know 16 gigs of RAM and 50 gigs of hard drive space, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you go back later, and the processes, the server, the processes that are running on that particular server are using one core and one gig of RAM and, you know, no space at all. And so you build up this, you know, if you keep doing that, eventually you're going to, you know, you're just wasting servers at that point. I, yeah, I don't know that that directly leads to technical debt it, well, because yeah, managing a, a server problem, with one core versus 50 is not necessarily harder depending how you manage it. But if you have VMs, that they're all four cores and it's only using one, you are contributing to that technical debt. Uh, mm, I, you know, to extend that's like a that's a like physical inflation, a physical technical debt. But yeah. I think mostly what Brent was talking about was a psychological <laughs> technical debt. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, at the end of the well, day. What- yeah, no, if you I don't look at your fucking servers you, and just want to fucking off yourself, are you even a sysadmin? I don't. I don't want to off myself. Like wow, that, that got dark. No, so you're. What did you say, Jathan? Understaffing. Yeah, and and I should have clarified. It's not necessarily just understaffing. Mm-hmm. Understaffing is a potential contributor. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think a better term for it would not necessarily be understaffing, but let's just say improper staffing. Be it understaffing, overstaffing, people not staying in their own fucking lanes, mm, mm-hmm. improper, mm-hmm. you know, distribution of workloads on the other side of that, whatever. You know what I'm I saying? Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. lot of ways where staffing can be fucked up. It's not just understaffing. I think I, those are all good things. that I, They absolutely can lead to technical debt. I think. Wait, before we keep going, should we define what we are calling technical debt for the purpose I of this discussion? I did briefly, but if you'd like to go into a more detailed Yes, let's make sure we define it. it so that you know, like I would say, anything that you do mm-hmm. that is ultimately going to make you do more work later—that is an incurred technical debt. Okay, mm-hmm. I absolutely, get that. I get that. Absolutely, I was thinking so, more of actual like 
physical technical debt. So again, right? Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, no it's, that's it's a not harder a one. Physical thing so much as yeah. A, well, because well, sometimes it, that's it kind of out of your be. hands anyway. It can be, but I digress. No. So what what I would like to also point out is that we've talked before, actually, at Hope, we talked about mm-hmm. hack what do we call our yeah hack ups. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a point in time, and if you haven't listened to our talk from Hope 11, 12, 12. I can't remember. Well, I'll let you know. in the show notes. Yeah. It was, we, we talk about what we called hack ops, which is like, mm-hmm. what are some hacky things that you did in operations, like your day-to-day operations that, you know, ended up never really making it out of your, like, it, it ended up being a permanent fix for something that really shouldn't have been. It was a, a temporary measure that was kept in place permanently. Right, for one reason yeah. or another. And mm-hmm. that really, that's a technical debt, right? Like, mm-hmm. right. one of the specific examples from that show, radio segment, whatever the fuck we're calling it, mm-hmm. was, you know, like, we all have that one server we know we can type reboot, but we still have to walk downstairs and press the fucking oh, power God. button to yes. actually reset yes, it. Absolutely. Yep, yep. That's and a good you'd never dig into why. And you know, or maybe you know why, but it's like, I just don't have time to fix this. It's less work right now to go downstairs and press the button. Mm-hmm. That is a technical debt. That's an example of it. Yeah, because debt. over time, and, and this, this is where technical debt really starts to come together. Over time, yeah, in that moment, it is going to be faster to walk downstairs and reboot rather than looking through D-message, looking through patches that you might be missing, looking through all this other stuff, doing a proper debug, a top proper you know root cause teardown. Yeah. Yeah, in that moment. But the problem is if you're doing that, once a week, once a day, that adds up to eventually yeah, sure does. the you're over like a month, you've now spent maybe fuck if I know, six hours, let's say, rebooting this thing. Mm-hmm. But the time it would have taken to do it right once is now it, it was like fifteen minutes. Right. So now it's really not time effective, even though it feels like it is in that moment. And this is kind of a human problem in general. Humans are dumb. We're fucking dumb, yep, dude. Absolutely. Like I agree with that. You're very temporal. We we think a lot in the present moment rather than long term, and we're really bad at long term thinking. But sometimes, you know, we we have methods that we can employ to plot that out. So if I would say a good way to combat, no, you know what? I'm not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> what I'm going to say, uh, we're still talking about causes here. Yeah, I was going to say a good solutions. way, to, a good way to combat that. Yeah, not solutions. Yeah, okay. Yet. I think the biggest cause is not doing things the right way the first time yeah. because it takes longer. It will always take longer I to do a good job. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we pretty much just talked about this with relation to... Uh, Those are 15 or with regards to my salt. fucking salt yeah. and my external pillar last mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. which I listened to on my drive home this weekend. I, I was away for the weekend. We'll get away. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that episode and... It is interesting because, you know, I'm now using a custom external pillar. It fucking works great. I know everything about how it works because I made it myself. Mm-hmm. I do wish, honestly, that I had just fucking done it in the first place. <laughs> Didn't you yeah, tell him? No, That's I know. not to Didn't say. Didn't you tell him to do that? I did. Yeah. A week a week before he did, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. And, and that's that's why I was insistent that you do it that way because i you know I, what that that's yeah. like another thing though that i think can lead to technical debt now that i think of it yeah well yeah okay let's, well, let's talk well, about that not invented well, here right where you well the that yeah. and not understanding the scope of a problem like i thought that mm-hmm. writing an external pillar was going to be much more difficult than it was mm-hmm. so i apparently didn't do my research well enough 
or look at enough examples or whatever to decide like, okay, this is actually not bad. I need to do this now because it's going to take me 20 fucking minutes, Mm -hmm. which honest to God, I did it at fucking two o'clock in the morning one night and it did, it literally took me like an hour and that was Mm -hmm. getting several iterations of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was your first one ever. Yeah. The more you, I think I, I've written maybe six of them. They get a lot easier every time because really all you have to do is just return a yeah, dick a, from a, a certain dictionary. name function. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everything else is up to you. How, wh- whether you call to an external data source, whether you want to munch yeah. that data before, whatever. It's all up munch. to you. Yeah. Like yeah, munch. so it is a lot easier. But that's it is good, I think, that you mentioned that. That is definitely something that can contribute to technical debt is not understanding the scope of your deployment. Which is occasionally not always your fault. Mm-hmm. If you're relying on a customer to tell you, like, this is the solution yeah. I need, and they do a very bad job describing it, well, sure. that, sure. that is that's also more, a problem. That's more developer than operations, though, I would say. I would say developers face that a lot more than operations, too. We do, to be fair, we do face from our management and our, you know, our higher ups, our elites. You know, we face it coming from there, but we, we are able to be a little bit more flexible in how we respond to that you know we can say look like you have hired me to do a good job it would not be a good job if i told you that this was okay to do you know like we can can speak to them like that you're not trying to get they've already signed a contract giving you money you don't need to try and win the contract to promise them impossible things right there so there's a a kind of a subtle there's that train there's already that kind of like subtle difference which is I don't know. You can leave that one and only that one in. All the other ones take out. Yeah. So, I mean, you're in this position where you do have a little bit more leeway in how you kind of approach that. But you said something else. And I I wanted to. It was before you mentioned the scope thing. It was like right before it. I don't know. I can't remember. I was talking about not understanding the the problem. Eh, It kind of plays into the scope. Mm -hmm. I don't think I said anything else. Yeah, maybe not. I don't Maybe. really say useful shit that often, so. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. But yeah, no, that is that is a good a good point to make. I think another cause of technical debt can be kind of playing off of what I just said. It's it's when the demands are made without an understanding of the technology behind it. Yeah. Like like management. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which management. you know, we're talking about technical debt so far in terms of how we bring it on ourselves. But sometimes it's brought sometimes upon it's us. brought upon us. That's right. Somebody says, I want this. There's not a really a great rationale. You try to talk through it like, mm-hmm. oh, well, have you thought of this solution or could we use this that we already have? And your fucking boss is just set on it. I want this. Yeah. Okay. Was that any any clarification as to why without a good reasoning? Why? Just. Yeah. No, I, I, I've definitely been there with some mm-hmm. real interesting shit. Mm-hmm. I bet you have. And. Man, I, I, I want to talk about ways of combating it, like, very last. But before we do, let's think of maybe ways, like, what does technical debt look like? I would say if you, uh, rebooting, that rebooting was a good example. If you're spending more time doing a mundane activity rather than well fixing the mundane activity, that's a good Yeah, personally, thing. if you're doing something repeatedly, regardless of how frequent, even if it's something you have to do quarterly, mm-hmm. you should mm-hmm. just fucking fix it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. So... You know, we talk about it in scripting, right? Like, oh, if you're going to do something more than once, write a script to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not just because, you know, you're going to save time in that front, but it also means 
there's a couple of things. I mean, one, if you fix it, it's no longer a problem. So mm-hmm. if you bring on another team member, you don't even have to go through fucking teaching them about that thing because you've already fucking solved the problem and it's, it's not a problem anymore. It's essentially self-documented by the, yeah. Right. Sure. So or there's no lots of places where yeah. fixing a single technical debt, if we want to think of it as an object that way, mm-hmm. has benefits beyond just the direct effect of fixing that technical debt. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say I had to manually audit my backups once a month, and then I, I hired a new coworker, and I had to teach them how to audit the backups once a month. Mm-hmm. If I had just made a fucking dashboard that automatically ran the commands and printed out the fucking status, it would be a, a non-thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't now, have we, to teach somebody how to do that. We do have to be a little bit careful with that, because machines are dumb. Yeah. Yeah. They only They will only do what you tell them to do, and they can't make decisions as much not as people every in the AI problem. space think they can they can't well it's, it's, it's a bunch a, of if statements exactly exactly it's just a bunch of if statements so it's not always possible to write an infallible script there right. are some things you will always have to do by hand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the goal i think is to minimize that for sure yeah and if you do have to do things by hand that maybe a process is mostly automatic but there's a few steps that you have to do Fucking document them, because that is still a way to reduce technical debt, which, yeah. oops, we're not talking about solutions yet, but... Yeah, well, it's all right. It, it was a small a small thing. It was a slip-up. What else does technical debt look like? I would say when you end up applying patches to a code base instead of properly extending it. Yeah, I would I would yeah. say that's an example the of dis- a yeah, the distinction clear is technical kind of difference, debt. But there, it's like, this. It, it's a subtle distinction, but it's there. You're not able to freely, like, okay, this is, again, more for maybe developers, but nowadays I think a lot of us write our own tools. Uh, it's kind of a necessity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank so, God we have Golang. Well, fucking, not, don't start with me, young man. <laughs> so, if you write a utility, and this utility is, you know, intended to do a fair amount of work for you, you need to kind of forward think a little bit. You need to think in the future, be future-minded and, and develop, build into it extensibility. That's super important. Super important. That's a great... I know we're not talking about solutions yet, but that's without building in extensibility, like a plugin system, you're going to have to either rewrite it or you're going to have to come back to it like a year later thinking, what, like, what does all this do? Yeah, right. You know, so that is... When you find yourself commonly rewriting things multiple times, mm-hmm. that is a good indicator that you have some technical debt. Yeah. I can't think of anything. Can you guys think of any you know, other symptoms of technical debt? Yeah, I, I kind of can. I think that there are some projects that naturally will kind of run on. Mm-hmm. But if the cleanup phase of a project takes as long as the base part of the project, mm-hmm. I think then you have evidence that you had incurred technical debt while working on the project. Yeah. Yeah, but so I think you know doing like a post paying that debt off at that. Yeah, Yeah. so I think if you do like a post mortem sort of analysis of how you spent your time on your project, Mm -hmm. let's say you wrote the core functionality in you know Mm -hmm. two weeks, but then it takes you two weeks to go back and fix. Oh well, I had this value hard coded and blah 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 blah. That is something that you could have done right in the first place, and that's a technical debt. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Anything else anyone wants to add before we move into solutions for it? I just, I think that, I don't know, I feel like, you know, if people would actually listen to the people they hire to 
manage these systems, then technical debt would, would kind of sort of dis- disappear, you know? Like, I mean, I think there's always going to be a little bit. Sure. Again, like, the goal is kind of minimize it rather than, yeah. Right, right, right. I mean, there's always going to be some somewhere somehow, you mm. know? It won't, it won't be such a showstopper. Right, And, and a, right. a sort of right. endless frustration for your employees if you... Correct. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, you know, being able to minimize technical debt as much as possible, i.e. replacing the machine that you have to go down and power off every time you go to shut it down. I think if you can... Or figuring out why. Yeah. Or figuring out why. I think if you can work on those things and, you know, you, you have a, a shop that allows you to do those kind of things, and I think it's, you know, it can remediate that, that issue. But mm-hmm. there's always going to be a server that needs a special touch somehow, some way, you know? At least one. At, at least one, yeah. yeah. At least one. But again, you know, the goal is to right. not let that happen. Correct. So. Correct. But, you know, real world, there's solar flares, flipped bits, and all sorts of fun stuff. So yes. Something always does eventually come up. Nothing is perfect. But our goal is to minimize. Much as those in InfoSec, their goal is to minimize the risk of a compromise, not prevent it entirely, because that's impossible. Our goal is to minimize downtime rather than prevent it entirely, because that is impossible. Yeah. And really, you have to weigh the fucking benefits of something like that, or, mm-hmm. or the pros and cons. Yeah. Do I take a downtime and piss some people off for 20 minutes, or do I go unpatched and then everybody loses their fucking data? Right. Like, yep. that's obviously an extreme example, but, like, sometimes that is really, like, the question you should be asking. Yeah, we do risk analysis on our own, too. So let's talk about ways of combating technical debt. First of all, I really like what you said about documentation. That's a good way of doing it. It's not going to be the band-aid for everything. Right. It's not going to be a single no. bullet, but... No, but it's a way step. to make your process, your own internal processes, more repeatable in the future for you and for others, right? Mm-hmm. I know I've mentioned this before on this show, and I don't really know in what context or why we were talking about it, but like, mm. it's a lot easier if you go ask somebody for help, if you can also say, hey, can you do this thing for me? Here's the documentation. Mm-hmm. And it's good documentation they can follow. It definitely makes delegation possible. Yeah. Right. If you go ask somebody for help and you have no documentation and they end up asking you 20 questions, you may as well have fucking done it yourself. Right. Yeah. But, of course, you know, the other side of that is after they've done it that first time, hopefully they've learned the process themselves. So, like, there is a little bit of payoff that way, too. But, yeah, if you did it right the first time, again, there would have been better. Right. Piggybacking off of that, doing it right the first time, I will agree with Jason. He did mention that sometimes you can't know the best approach before you do it. I do think that's true, but I think you can come pretty close. The trick is you really need to take the time to understand your deployments, your the software you're deploying, things like that. Yeah. There, you know, documentation is a mixed bag for various projects out there. I understand you can't write it all yourself, but oh, uh, yeah, that was another thing I wanted to mention on a cause is the not invented here syndrome where <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's what we were talking about that you couldn't remember. Maybe the but you know not invented here, which is basically a concept of saying like if, if unless we write it, we can't trust it or we can't oh, yeah. use it because it won't do what it, we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely fall to, into that camp. By the way, yeah, you have to temper it with like it is good to customize things to your environment, but you also need to, to kind of weigh the necessity of that. How important is that to your operation goals? You know, is it yeah. a nice to have or is it a necessity? So right, yeah. So do factor that in, but. A way of, of, of sort of commenting that whole thing in general. What was I talking about? Dude, I don't know. You just go off the rails sometimes. I know. Nobody I knows. know. I do. I get so excited. I'm super passionate about this. I can't help it. I think it was documentation. Yes. You know. It was after documentation. Oh, okay. I yeah. was piggybacking off of that. Right, right. Was 
Oh, doing it right the first time. Right. Right, right, which is, okay. So, yeah, so sometimes it is hard to understand the requirements that you need to fulfill before you can actually try to fulfill them. But you can get pretty close, I think, by just understanding the documentation, understanding the features of the software you're using, things like this yeah. ahead of time. Grokking, as, as the old you know MIT hackers would say. Grok. I like grok. It's in the hacker's dictionary, mm-hmm. which I yeah. can link to in the show notes. Look it yeah, up. Yeah, I like it. Oh, I was saying I like it. So once you grok a piece of technology, you can then understand, okay, this might be the best way to do this in the long run. And that's that's what you're shooting for. Is this something that we are planning to de- keep deployed rather than just a temporary project? If so, we want to do it the best way possible for the long run. Yeah. And, you know, that is really an interesting thing is, you know, we were just talking before the show a little bit about, uh, or no, it was it was during the show, it was during the tip about Ethernet. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Imagine like you're having an event where you're going to have, you know, 500 people show up for a week long conference and you just want somebody to be able to throw up collaborative documents and share shit kind of randomly, right? So your boss says, hey, I want you to set up Etherpad. I think this is the right tool for this job. People can just anonymously create links. We can restrict it to our our Wi-Fi in the building so we don't have to worry about, you know, password protecting it, whatever. Do you look at it and do the bare minimum? Like, okay, I'm going to throw up this, you know, minimal Etherpad instance, blah, blah, blah. Or do you look at it and say, I should do this the best that I can in case we keep using it? Or because I know the performance is going to be better regardless? Or like, how do you weigh that type of thing? such that you avoid technical debt. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Well, I don't know. What, what do you got? I mean, what would you do in that case? I paced out. What were you saying? <sighs> Jesus Christ. What's your Give solution? TLDR. What's one of your solutions for technical debt? I think is what he's asking. TLDR. Somebody wants you to set something up, and they tell you it's for a week-long conference. Mm-hmm. Do you do the bare minimum to get it running, or do you just do it right because you anticipate either it may end up going beyond that week, and or you're a perfectionist and you just know that it'd be better to do it right? Like, when is it okay to do something hack opsy? How do you evaluate the potential technical debt of something? I think there's a couple of variables that are going to determine that, right? If this is something that you plan on doing yearly, definitely do it the right way. Do it the good way, do it the right way. Because that's something that you will be coming back to. If you have enough time to do it the right way, always do it the right way. Sometimes you do not have enough time to do it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at that point, having a hacky Etherpad, for instance, Mm -hmm. but actually having one versus not having one at all because it's still being worked on. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I also don't want to take it to the extent of deploy early, deploy often. That's a wrong attitude to take. Yeah, that's that's and I don't know why I don't know why developers have that that attitude either, because that's I mean, that's how you catch that's how you create bugs. And that's I would rather use a solid use a a solid deployment than one that was turned up, because then that means we could have it now. I would rather wait. Yeah, I would rather wait and have it robust and solid because developers aren't the ones that get called in the middle of the night when shit breaks. Yeah, right, right. You know, we are. Developers aren't the ones who... Well, they're also not the ones, if in the conference example, mm-hmm. not the ones who look bad when it stops working in a right. room with 500 people. Right. right. That's all our liability. And that's why we may seem like curmudgeons to them. But that's why. Because we're liable for the stuff that they write. You know, we that's, that is our kind of... To be fair, we kind of signed up for it because we otherwise, did. like, you know. But, but that's half the fun. 
ish. Sometimes, sometimes yeah, right. it is, you know. But I mean, that's that's our lot in life. That's what we. That's part of the job. But that doesn't mean we can't want to avoid shit hitting the fan. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point of why we do our. We right. we don't want that to happen. Just because we're the ones that have to deal with it when it does doesn't mean we don't want it to happen. Right. An invisible operations team is the best operations team. It's I, what do you we, guys even said do before, here anyway? Yeah, it's like we right. Since you don't know my name, that's probably a good sign that I'm doing my job well. You know, yeah, pretty much. It's a sad truth about our, our department. We've talked about this on the show before, but that's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So we, I don't know. I I think another solution. To technical debt is sometimes it gets to the point where it's so bad, starting over would be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's really hard to do that if it's mm-hmm. something that you've invested a lot of time into. Yeah. And it's something that you either once were or are still like passionate about in some form. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. If you've slapped so many features on this thing, yeah. but also, the, the cost of that is it's unmaintainable, what right. have you gained? Right. And, and don't let your fucking pride weigh into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I can honestly say I was here at one point in time with a backup and replication sort of suite of tools that I wrote. Uh-huh. And they were fucking awesome, and I loved them. And they worked mm-hmm. really well for like two years, and then it turns out it didn't quite scale. But I really didn't want to let it go because it was something <laughs> I made, and it worked so well for two years I never missed a backup. Mm-hmm. Good, good job. But it was time to let it go. Let it go. Because I needed something that could fucking scale. Let and I realized that go. to make it scale well, it would have to be something that more than one fucking mind was looking at. So yep. looking okay. to an outside solution, it doesn't mean it has to be a paid solution, mm-hmm. but looking to an outside solution was important. Sure. Absolutely. And relevant to that is, I keep forgetting what I was going to say. I need to start like <laughs> keeping a notepad next to yeah, me. This right? wouldn't happen right if down. you just drank alcohol, bitch. I'm not, what, the Balmer Peak? Forgetting things. Well, no, I know, but like, would that would I not forget things because of, because of the bomber? I don't know why you just. <laughs> how Can do you, you know I wouldn't? How do you know it? Yeah, I hear it's cat. Yeah, I don't know. I, the whole thing with technical debt is like, it's bad because it halts you. You know, it doesn't let you Advance. move on to new things. Yeah, which should be the goal. Like, yeah, moving on to new things is good. You know, but, another interesting thing is like. Once we talk a little bit, well, we're already kind of talking about solutions. Yeah, yeah. We're I think another really interesting way to knock out a lot of technical debt in a lot of environments is to look towards configuration management. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was you are, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that. If you are still manually adding users to systems or removing users from systems and shit like that, mm-hmm. that is a huge fucking technical debt because mm-hmm. that, like, the basic sort of Linux, Unixy stuff, adding and removing users and groups... You know, even deploying software, deploying software that you're deploying, you you know, across the board, especially in a fairly uniform fashion, like Mm -hmm. all of my web servers are are almost fucking identical. How many times for the first like year or two that I worked where I worked, did I copy and paste an Nginx config from one server, Mm. find and replace the fucking host name Mm -hmm. and start the fucking service? Like that was a technical debt, even though it didn't take me long because I had a working config I could look at. It didn't take you long each time you did it but overall but it took long over the course of years yes yeah, yeah so absolutely and that's even if you only employed configuration management to do users and groups it's and still manage it. like built-in packages right like something you could install with yum or apt mm-hmm. it's fucking gonna save you time yeah. and it's a force multiplier because it's something you can use on more than one system and across your whole environment 
And it like even if you start out using it just for that, it gives you a, a going back to the future minded thing. I remember what I was going to say now. Good going job. back to the future minded thing, it gives you a path forward to extend your automation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it gives you a golden road to follow to avoid further technical debt. So it's it's a way out of that, and it's also a way of avoiding it. So yeah, yeah, really good stuff. And, and sometimes I understand. And it's totally acceptable if you're not a future-minded person. That's fine. You should at least have someone on your team or someone you can talk to who is, though. Yeah, yep. yeah absolutely. If you're in a managerial position, you want to make sure you hire at least one guy who's really good at seeing the future. It doesn't need to be like mystical or anything like that, but they need to know, like, okay, if I do this, then these are possible outcomes. If we do this, these are possible outcomes. Nobody wants to hire that guy because they seem super negative because they're really good at finding things that can go wrong, but they're right. a super valuable asset. Um, I say I might be biased because I'm that guy, but they're a very valuable asset because what our type can do is we will help you avoid pitfalls and we will help you well, avoid incurring additional technical debt. Yeah. The other thing is kind of in line with that is just having somebody on your team who's kind of a foil to you or somebody who balances out like your okay. thoughts yeah. and beliefs is a really good idea. Like I work very well with one of my coworkers because I will fully admit that I think he's more of a skeptic than I am. Like I look at something and I see this fucking golden image and I'm shiny. like, that's right. And he sees like, well, what if this goes wrong or what if that goes mm-hmm. wrong? And we tend to meet somewhere in the middle. And I think that works really well. Yep. And so having that type of person, even if it's not somebody who's as technically apt, I wouldn't... I wouldn't but say who asks the right questions. I wouldn't say you're foil so much as you're... They expand your visual, your your visuals. You know what I mean? Your they, work they cover only. your blind spots. So, yeah. I don't know. Have you guys read The Phoenix Project? Not no. yet. I, I, it's I, in I my reading list. You, and yeah, I have I it on my it. Kindle. It's on my Kindle, this is, on my Kindle too. I the funny thing is, is that all of this is like highlighted. I mean, what Jathan's talking about is is having a foil or whatever. And one of the issues mm-hmm. that they have in the Phoenix project is there's a guy who knows everything. He's a silo. He knows all of the information. He fixes everything and he acts mm-hmm. sometimes without. There's nobody to check. Him. Right. There's no, yeah. there's no, there's no control to his changes. And so he just does things willy nilly. And they went from barely being able to do a deployment a year to deployments every week or, or what have you. And I guess, I mean, what I'm trying to get to is that, you know, having a, person who has a silo of information is great and fine and wonderful but realistically that information needs to be spread out and one of the things that they, and it needs to be done with someone with an equal amount of knowledge it's so, why fucking yeah. 10x engineers don't work correct correct and i mean one of the things they did was they, I, I think more of that is is probably burnout more than anything yeah but. yeah I'm, well, well but also yeah. if you've one person who just kind of has no leash and they're just committing 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 to a project right and then you get to the end and you realize like, oh my God, this person had all of the influence on this project and now it was whatever they wanted, but nobody else had any input or thought through this. Right. right. I, I think that's I at least a possibility. Issue, but right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that being a issue. I don't know if that's always the issue. I think yeah, Bernard yeah. is fair. concerned with that. But but yeah, point being, yeah, that is a good, a good thing to mention. So part of the reason, if I may take a non sequitur, because I always do. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I haven't bothered actually reading the Phoenix Project yet mm-hmm. is because it's it's talking about, you know, projects that deal with millions of servers. Sure. 
I don't even have millions of servers in my well, charge. You know? Well, okay. None of us I mean, do. they don't. So, they, well, I'm getting close, close, man. I mean, this they is, don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is why I have a problem with DevOps, too. Mm-hmm. Because people treat it as a silver bullet. It's designed to deal with these multiple instances, like these millions of servers. Nobody's doing that who's actually trying to deploy DevOps. And that's why we're getting a bunch of shitty DevOps. Okay, sorry. Keep so, going. you're saying so, that if DevOps was isolated to Apple, Facebook, Google, Whatever. Because they need that. Yeah. They need so that you, kind of you agree that they need that type of workflow. I don't know about needing it per se. I would say that if anyone's gonna I know I just said they need it, but like if, if anyone's gonna benefit from it, it'd be them. Everybody okay. else I think it's a hindrance. Okay. So what I what I was gonna say was uh, Yeah. Sorry, uh, I, I, I had to go on my brain. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Get it out. So I, I don't know that they have millions of servers. I know that it's a very large environment in the story that's told. But one of the things that he did, and I'm just gonna Real quick, he took the guy that was the silo of information and he said, you can't make any changes anymore. If, if someone's going to make mm-hmm. a change, you can observe, but you're not going to do the work. And then he... Uh, so anyway, basically, I don't necessarily agree that someone needs to be as knowledgeable as the silo. I think that what needs to happen is that the silo needs to spread that information out. So they need to have documentation. They need to show, you know, hey, this is how you do X. This is how you do Y. And that will actually free up a lot of that, you know, so-called technical mm. debt in that regard. In that regard. So the problem with that is if you're going to, as, as Jathan kind of alluded to, if you're going to check that silo, quote-unquote, yeah. it needs to be someone equally knowledgeable because uh, otherwise you're going to end up back. No, hold on. Otherwise you're going to end up back in that same situation of the manager who doesn't know anything and no degrees, right? Well, I don't necessarily – I don't necessarily – oh, it's, it's the same problem. The only difference is – Well, okay. You're infighting instead of hierarchically. I don't necessarily fighting. think that a manager should be as technically proficient as his as his. No, uh, but he should at least know the basics of the technology that he's sure. demanding to be deployed, right? I think would agree. Sure. On that. I guess so, what I'm trying to say is that mm-hmm. if if you have a guy who's a silo of information and you bring a junior on, the junior should be in the the silo's position, and the silo should be giving the junior information like relaying hey how this is how you do this, this is how you do that and that way the junior can become the silo you have a silo and you have a junior who's now just as knowledgeable as the silo etc 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 if you sure but that's not challenging the silo though you're still I, ultimately that's still leading to the same problem of the silo having all of the design decisions the difference is he's not the one i don't I, I don't agree that they should i mean i don't agree that they should have all the design decisions i think that realistically you know, like you said, DevOps is a thing that you don't need for five servers. It's abuse. You, you don't need it's, it's a abused, DevOps. Yeah. Right. You don't need DevOps for five servers. You need DevOps for, you know, 5,000, 5, 500, whatever, you know. Like, if, if you're actually going to be, like, creating things and deploying things, then, yes, you, you most likely need a, a DevOps team for a large amount of servers. But if you have, you know, a single rack and... One of those is doing one thing, all those is doing another thing. I don't think you need DevOps, in my opinion, personally. Right. No, I, yeah. And I think you guys all agree with me on that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Jason likes the shiny a little bit more than I do, so he, he may take some issue with that. Well, but... I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, did you drop out again? No. Oh, okay. He's just good. being quiet, thank yeah. goodness. Because I think, I think it's getting close to your segment, because I don't have anything else more to say about this. I think we, we, did, uh, we did a good bird's eye view of this. We did. Absolutely. I think it's great. Do either of you have anything to add? No, I think that was a good discussion. Okay. Peyton, nothing? I'm good. I Yeah, I'm good. I don't, cool. uh, you know. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. 
I do like that over the years we've moved on from less so about like specific software and tools and technology and more into the theory of things. Yes. You know? Yeah, yes. we're really maturing as a... I mean, <laughs> Brent and I as are, a, you are not. Uh, I don't, I don't know, know about that. Well, yeah. Okay, okay point being, Jathan, if you have 1,500 servers and you were awarded one clam, for every 100 servers, how many clams do you have? Clams, Wait, Malone. what? <laughs> if you have 1,500 servers in DevOps, right, and you're awarded one clam for every 100 servers, how many oh, clams do you have? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Hold on. i got to get a pencil. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think it's 150. That, no. No, that... What? How do you do math? Jatha. Very, Careful. very not carefully. Careful. 1,500 servers... 1,500. Uh, yeah. 1, you get one clam for each 100 servers. Oh. How many clams do you have? 60. No. Ten. Oh, my. No. <laughs> I see what you did. I moved the zero to the wrong place. You you absolutely did. 600. Oh, boy. I think it's 15. Oh, my yes. God. He got it. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. I'm not actually that stupid. Thought. Good job. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I don't think you've given a single answer correctly every time we've done this. The definitely, first time. Definitely has not. That's for sure. Okay, Jason, why don't you give us your 15 clams? Yeah, so my 15 clammy clams is going to be kind of in line with the technical debt discussion in a sense. Mm-hmm. I want to take a moment to talk about an interaction we, some of us, some people had with somebody on Twitter. Oh, oh. There was some boy. things that people said on Twitter. They may or may not have been us. Oh, okay. boy. Oh, <laughs> boy. And so this person, I mean, first of all, they asked what my recommendation was for something. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Specifically, they were looking for a turnkey ZFS solution. Oh, mm-hmm. this thing. Which, there are none that are good. <laughs> and the reason is because... Because turnkey sucks. Turnkey. Well, and ZFS isn't like that. What's it like, then? Well, I, I just, I think it's something that if you're going to use it, you should really understand it. Yeah. No, makes, absolutely. Makes we, we've talked about sense. that plenty absolutely. of times. Yeah. Yeah. You don't deploy shit you don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Anyway, anyway. So what I want to talk about a little bit is how a turnkey solution can play into technical debt, but it will have the illusion that it does not do that. Mm. And I would also like to talk about etiquette on the internet when you ask somebody <laughs> for a fucking suggestion, <laughs> and then you accuse right. them of being assholes and gatekeepers and all kinds of other shit. Uh-huh. Oh, we didn't. Of do which that, did I we? do not appreciate. Did we really? I do not know. Jason, why do you get all these people on the internet mad at you? Yeah, dude. What I didn't. Heck, you man? did. <laughs> no, you to did be fair, yeah, I think I got somebody off, man. What the heck? Anyway, I, I mean, one of those people got that person a little bit more mad than another person did. Yeah, would that be you, you would that be Jason that did that? It was Jason, no. right? Jason did that. Nope. <laughs> okay, sorry. Keep going, Jason. Anyway, anyway, so the whole thing is. We've talked before about buying a solution versus building a solution. This is kind of like that, but I would like to talk specifically about, in this example, we're going to use FreeBSD, or uh, no, I'm free sorry, NAS. not FreeBSD, FreeNAS, which is based on FreeBSD, which is what I was thinking that. Uh, so FreeNAS, FreeNAS with a web server and a bunch of PHP applications. It's not PHP. It is Python. Really? It yeah. used, I think it was PHP. Maybe a long time ago, Maybe. but for a long time it has been, I think it's Django, but Anyway, wow. I digress. Okay. It doesn't really matter. It, it really doesn't. I thought for sure it was PHP. All right. The problem with things like FreeNAS, if you don't know what FreeNAS is, FreeNAS is a 
turnkey ZFS solution. You install FreeNest. They recommend installing on a fucking USB stick. They do. And it's I don't, not a good idea. I don't know why, but don't, I don't know, don't do it, is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because ZFS pools are exportable and importable, if you did lose your USB drive, be it to, you know, hardware failure, Which happens most frequently. likely. Yeah, or, you know, physically lost it, because apparently you just have that sticking in the back of your rack. <laughs> Although, or like you bump the server. Yeah, you could still import the pool after you got a new USB stick. So there would be no data loss in a situation like that. So uh, that's defensible in a sense, but... But mm, then you got to reconfigure the whole bullshit. Yeah, so anyway, the whole thing is... No, uh, I, having used FreeNAS, you don't have to reconfigure if you use that boot drive. It doesn't store the system configuration on the storage pool. So yeah, you it are. actually it does a majority of it. It does. I had a. What? I was using FreeNAS, not the system configuration. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Well, that's what you back it up, and so then you. Okay. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, I right had a, they do have that. I had a. They have, they have, I had a USB. Wait, 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 wait. I think. I, okay. I no. I think I know what I was thinking of. Okay. All right. I was thinking of like mono. No, PFSense. I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's not. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, right. totally. So, so the whole thing now is. It's very appealing to look at something like FreeNAS mm-hmm. and to notice that it has a web interface to configure services like SMB and NFS mm-hmm. and all kinds of file sharing and what the hell. I mean, it's a fucking storage distro, but it also has jails, VMs, jails and VMs and, and all kinds of other bullshit. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It really it's is. a lot. And so here's the thing that I would say, though. The web interface, in my opinion... Garbage. ...is not intuitive. It's garbage. Mm-hmm. Also, it may well, be fine to... for your fucking 4-terabyte homemade NAS, but it is fucking slow as fuck yeah. on a, yeah. a real yeah. scale-out system. Okay, I would agree with that. I am legitimately speaking from experience, like, very first-hand here. Same so here. Same here. Fucking... Challenge me all you want, but I will fuck you up. You've got two people like here who, that will, are... who will tell you that you're wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I haven't used this in a very long time. But I feel like things that are web UI driven are not exactly scalable very well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's better than some things I've used, but way worse than others. Anyway, mm-hmm. so my contention here is that it's very easy to incur a technical debt by using something like... Freeness? Freeness. <laughs> because you install it and you do the configuration through the web interface and you think like, oh, this is great. I didn't even have to log in mm-hmm. and type any commands and learn about these configuration parameters. Right. But at what cost? Mm-hmm. Correct. Number one, technical debt. How long do you sit there staring at the fucking web interface waiting for it to fucking load? Mm. Number one. That's, that's uh, yeah. That's fair. That. It can be fucking substantial. Mm-hmm. Number two, when something does go wrong... What visibility do you actually have, and how much time do you spend debugging it? Mm. Versus a system that you put together, you made all the configurations, you know exactly which services are running. When something goes wrong there, and you know where the logging is, etc., etc., which one is actually faster to fix? Right. Like, in the case of this person who may or may not exist, and we may or may not have interacted (laughs) with... They specifically said, like, oh, I'm frustrated because I spent six hours debugging this thing, and it's like... If this was not free NAS, would you have even done that? Like, you could have mm. used that six hours to turn up not free NAS. And my recommendation right now, in terms of stability and features and all that stuff, if you want to use ZFS, I think you should install FreeBSD, like vanilla FreeBSD. Mm-hmm. ZFS on Linux, not at a place that I'm comfortable using yeah. right now. And quite frankly, fuck Solaris derivatives. <laughs> 
Well, don't even get right? started with that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm right. Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Why are you booing? <laughs> I just. It's because I I'm not I I the the. Deep, I still have breath, to do it. Deep breath. Deep breath. Get it out. Yeah. And okay, it makes okay. me go to the sad place. Anyway, <laughs> you make me go to my sad place. So. All right. All right. Keep going. Keep going. Anyway, so anywhere. I guess what I would really say is. How many points was that? Three? Two or three, yeah. Okay. I'd like to add one. So okay. M, pl- M plus one. And this is more of a problem with turnkey in general. Who is turnkey designed for? Who are they targeting? People who don't know what they're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Or at the very least, lazy people. I, I would sure. I would quantify sure, that. I, the, one, the point what I said was what Jadon said. It's people who don't know what they're doing and or people who are lazy just want to get something up. I'm going to say primarily, and you see this in their marketing media, they're aimed at people who don't know what they're doing. Right. Saying like, now you too can run the server, right? You but the problem with that is, yeah. unlike this situation where it takes longer to debug, these people don't even know how to debug, period. It's not even a matter of added time cost. It's a matter of, well, they think they can do a thing that they cannot. Let me say this really fast before we get too much further into insulting people who are just starting out. No, no, no. That's, that's I think insulting. it's reason. Well, hold on. I think it's reasonable to say, hey, I'm going to put together this four disk NAS and put free NAS on it. And I'm going to try and figure out how this works. And then, you know, maybe I can use this as a learning experience before I create my own FreeBSD ZFS NAS. You know, I, I think that that's. But that's not what Turnkey markets it itself as. I'm aware. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that mm-hmm. you should have the ability to roll up a turnkey to learn about something to then create your own to then go from there. Like I think it's perfectly reasonable. I mean, yeah. The problem is though you yeah. don't learn shit I, by using a turnkey solution. Right. I mean, that's the other pro- right. And that's I mean, kind of my thing is like let's say you're a relatively computer savvy person. You think you are anyway. <laughs> you get it in your head you're going to use a fucking you're going to buy a computer, you're going to stick a bunch of hardware in it, you're going to use free NAS to build a, a NAS for your your house. Quote, unquote, and it's going to be fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but tell me this, right? Tell me. Mm-hmm. You know nothing about ZFS or how the pools go together or anything else oh. like that. How do you know when a disk is failing? You know. Until it happens and free NAS tells you that a disk has failed, you have no fucking clue. Right. And you don't know but, how to handle it if it does. Exactly. So now you already you don't have a failed the disk. Storage at that. Point. You already have a failed disk right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're spending time trying to figure out how the fuck to fix it. You don't even know how to identify which disk it's telling you physically where it is in your array. Mm-hmm. Which is a real problem. Enclosure management when you're talking about huge fucking systems is a real mm-hmm. problem. But if you have a mirror at home and you have two drives and your free NAS is telling you that one of them failed and you don't know <laughs> which one it is, one. you have a fucking 50-50 chance. <laughs> of, yeah. If it's a RAID 1, of completely destroying your array or not. Right. Right. That's what I mean. Right. So it just, there's no case that a fucking turnkey solution makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I agree. You are better off investing the time up front to do it right. Like, In honestly, God, I can tell yes. you... No, even at home, man. Well, like, okay. The first project that I ever took on, I had an old computer, I put Ubuntu server on mm-hmm. it, and I made a fucking print server and mm-hmm. a file server. It was just a fucking external drive plugged into it, and of course a USB printer. Of course. It sat in the fucking closet at my mom's house for years, and it was still how she printed for a long-ass time. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, the thing was, it was, I learned how to do it. When something wasn't working, I knew how to fucking troubleshoot it because I knew what services were at play. I wasn't left fucking guessing. Right. I mean, I could have just used, there's probably some cups automagic bullshit. I'm sure there is. Cups. I didn't do that, though. I didn't do that. Cups itself is a little bit automagic. It does mm-hmm. handle a lot. Like, it lets you, like, scan the, the have cups network that range. Fucking or... LP shit. I digress. Yeah, no, it, it's... Anyway. Cups is pretty great, but, like... We were talking yeah, about FreeBSD. If it was someone who, <laughs> who, who just turned up some kind of turnkey distro for a print server, they didn't learn jack shit about cups. Right. So, I, yeah, yeah. But, okay, so I feel like I need... I don't want to defend turnkey solutions, but sometimes you get somewhere and the guy says, you have 15 minutes to get me something set up. You're not going to sit there... And fucking set up a free BSD and do all this. You're just well, going to throw together a turnkey I mean, solution and say, okay, if you have problems, call me. That does, uh, well, that plays into what I was talking about earlier during the do the it right segment. Do, was, it, do it right the first time. I agree completely. We'd, well, I also said, provided you have the time to do correct. it right, always correct. do it right. Correct. Yeah. In this instance that I'm talking about, this completely hypothetical, what the fuck situation. I mean, realistically, you're going to go there. You're going to throw some hardware on a desk. Mm-hmm. You're going to power it on. You're going to, you know, plug in the free nest thing. You're going to yeah, set up yeah, the yeah, tools, yeah, 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 yeah. and you're going to go. Well, or her. Pulls, the problem whatever. with that is if it's intended to be a permanent installation or not. If it's something temporary, yeah, sure, whatever. But you also need to consider, like, you need to put your foot down and say, look, if you want this to be a long-term deployment, we need a long-term plan. You know, I agree with you a thousand. You can't deploy percent. in fifteen minutes something always... that should last fifteen months. But it doesn't always happen that way. You know, well, then fifteen minutes, I... thirty minutes, whatever. My point is, what I'm trying to say is that that's sometimes... some pretty unrealistic demands of someone's demand. My point you know? is, you walk on site somewhere sometime, and they say, "You, I listen. I have to go in thirty minutes. Can you just put it together for me? Give me a simple setup going, and then we'll fix it later." And then that becomes a because we all know a temporary solution is the one of the most permanent things you can have. That becomes their mm. permanent in-house solution until such time as it fails, and then you can go back and do it properly. I agree a thousand percent. You should do it right the first time, get it set up the right way, etc. I agree a thousand percent. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to try and do it that way. But you know, sometimes you don't have that luxury of doing so. And I just wanted to say that I think part of the problem is we're treating it like a luxury. Sure, absolutely. Well. Absolutely. We do yeah. need it. There are cases where we need to put our foot down and say, look, look, no, this will cause you further problems. These are exactly the type of problems this right. will cause if right. I do it this way. If you were okay with those problems, know that I warned you about them. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. I, I think that's important. I think it's important to say, you know, hey, this is going to cause you a problem if we keep this as a permanent solution. And I, you know, air quote that, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, I think this has been a good discussion. I honestly, this is one where I would really like to hear from somebody else because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, w- I would like some some feedback on this. And uh, you Forge should also go back. Might talk to yeah. you about ZFS and, and whatnot. I think he's more so referring to the turnkey. Oh, stuff. sure. Well, yeah, he's used FreeNAS. So well, no, all of it. I, I, sure, I sure, sure, sure. But I also wanted to say, worth looking back in our archives, I can link to it, the episode where we talk about running your own mail server because it's very closely related oh. to this. And there is mail in a box. Mail in a box. Yeah. Don't do mail in a box. Yeah. Don't run your own mail server if you don't know. I'm exactly surprised that, that mine is still going. <laughs> I'm your, not your mail in a box? No. Yeah, like, just my mail server. Oh, all oh, right, right, right. Well, you, I mean, you, you took the time to learn about it. I took the time. Like, learn I, what I, but I mean, it was is. like a good fucking week yeah, well, of doing yeah. it stepwise. Well, that's, and reading and, that's and the learning. Thing. You can't rush it. If you want it to last, you can't rush it. So. Yeah. That's I, I think that's the takeaway I want to I want to leave with. But yeah, 
Nice. Any closing remarks, guys? I have none. You signal use Tor. <laughs> you signal use Tor, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been System and Distribia. I'm Brent. I'm Jonathan. I'm the coronavirus. <laughs> See you around. Yeah, 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 yeah.